0: Hello, everyone. We welcome you to our Sunday morning roundtable discussion. We are so glad you could all join us today. We are recording from the Plainfield Christian Science Church Independent, Plainfield, New Jersey, in the United States of America. And again, we welcome you all. We will start with our morning prayer. I'm reading from pages...
1: 110 of miscellaneous writings, and 165 of miscellaneous. Beloved children, the world has need of you, and more as children than as men and women. It needs your innocence, unselfishness, faithful affection, uncontaminated love. You need. Also to watch and pray that you preserve these virtues unstained and lose them not through contact with the world. What grander ambition is there than to maintain in yourselves what Jesus loved and to know that your example, more than words, makes morals for mankind. Goodness never fails to receive its reward. For goodness makes life a blessing. As an active portion of one stupendous whole, goodness identifies man with universal good. Let may each member of this church rise above the oft-repeated inquiry, What am I? With a scientific response, I am able to impart truth, health, and happiness and this is my rock of salvation and my reason for existing. Mary Bika Eddy.
0: Beautiful. Thank you. Very good for our subject on Christ Jesus. All right, the watching point, Karen.
2: Watch number 139. Watch lest you believe that you can have an unlimited sense of God's power, of its extent and possibilities, and at the same time a limited sense of your ability to reflect this divine power. It is not possible to gain a more unlimited realization of God's power without gaining at the same time an increasing sense of your ability to reflect this power and to put it into operation. One interpretation of Jesus' statement, quote, With what measuring you meet, it shall be measured to you again, end quote, might be that the standard by which you measure divine power also measures the extent of your ability to demonstrate or reflect that power. A mounting sense of confidence in your own ability to heal through the power of God always accompanies an increasing recognition of the limitless extent and ability of divine power to do all things. Man's use and application of divine power cannot be separated from that divine power, since it does not operate at all except through or as spiritual man. Unless you have an increasing sense of your own ability to reflect divine power, and a growing realization of yourself as the reflection of divine power, you are not gaining and developing a true appreciation of divine power. Spiritual growth constantly turns away from any suggestion that the channel is anything of itself and recognizes the irresistible nature of divine power expressed through or reflected by man.
0: Thank you. Okay, comments.
3: I think this is very important. You know, it, and it does help you become stronger when you know that. And it says it in Genesis: we're given dominion. Use it. Don't be afraid. Thank you. <laughs> well,
4: yeah. I mean, this is all about getting to know who we really are individually, right?
3: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
4: You know, how do you think of yourself? What do you think of yourself?
0: And Florence?
1: No, the, the, the word reflection is what stands out to me in this, you know, reflection does not reflect just part of it, it reflects all. So, if I'm, if I'm really seeing God, I, I shall have no other God before me, his supremacy, his presence, his power, then I can be the reflection of it. And as Shadi said, yes, we have been given dominion. I think that's one thing I never used to even think about. Dominion? Who, what dominion? You know, I was just I this little thing here and you know, being bossed around all the time by fear. Um, but it's, to, it's wonderful to know that yes, we have been given a dominion that we should use, and we reflect that. It's a reflection, reflection not only partly but the whole.
0: Thank you.
2: Christ Jesus was constantly saying um, and pointing out that the power He was not the source of the power that was expressing itself in the healings and the um it was he was constantly turning to his father and saying, It's the father that dwells in me. He's doing. He's doing it all. Um so he never he was very clear about that over and over again and, and um um he was not the source. And that's you know he was all the time he was doing that. And I and I before coming to this church it was something that I was I was mistakenly thinking that <clears throat> I could um I knew that God was power all powerful, but I I didn't And I could say, Well, but it's not him, I just it's it's myself, but I don't think I have the power to and I have boy was that disobedient <laughs> to God <laughs> to see myself as not the reflection not the channel through which this comes. And so
0: I don't say that anymore or even think it. Thank you. Yeah, I think, you know, we've all been guilty of that. Just, well, I can't do it. (laughs) Well, yes, that's true. You can, but God can, and that power is limitless. And even this, well, maybe I can heal some things. I can find a parking spot, but... I can't heal other things. Well, as as Florence said, if you're a reflection, you are receiving all that power, not just part of it. Jeremy?
5: Well, I just think that, um, I I think think a lot about how, you know, there are an infinite amount of numbers, but there also are an infinite amount of divisions, even in an inch. And as you learn more, about God, like this says, you, you find those inner divisions and how to, (laughs) and where the subtle errors are and all that. And I think that's really important. And also the fact that, you know, Jesus knew it wasn't him, but he was willing to step up to the plate and take what God had him to do. And that's really important. I kind of call that the high wire. (laughs) You know, you you end up, you end up having to put yourself out there and, um,
4: and, and take the
5: consequences. And take the consequences. Yeah. It also reminds me of the end of the uh, preface of Watches, Prayers, and Arguments. <laughs> Gilbert Carpenter talked about Mrs. Eddy greeting new people who came, and she would ask them how much Christian science they knew. And when they didn't know how to answer, she would just say, only as much as you can demonstrate. So there it is.
0: <laughs> Thank you. And, you know, the lesson is full of this, that yes, that we are, Jesus taught, but one God, one spirit who makes man the image and likeness of himself and that we reflect, man reflects infinite truth, life and love. Think deeply about these statements, each one. And I love, two where it says Jesus worked for our guidance. I'm making this relative to ourselves. He worked for our guidance that we might demonstrate this power as he did, and understand its divine principle. All that he did, he was he was working for our guidance. He was guiding us, showing us the divine principle, um, which, just like in math, anyone is capable of working that principle out. But in Christian science, we know that the morality is very important, the morale of it. You can't do it and lead an immoral life. You must be obedient again. Um, by his obedience, by Jesus' obedience to God, he demonstrated more spiritually than all others the principle of being his obedience. And he was willing to be totally obedience to give him give God even his life, or so it would seem. So what... No, go ahead.
1: No, I was just going to say that that's why I say that the world needs us more like children because of that innocence and the unselfishness. And it, it allows the transparency through which the reflection can occur.
0: Thank you. Yes, very much so. Childlike, not childish, but yes, and he did love the little children for that reason. Their innocency and their purity and their just being.
4: And their humility.
0: Yeah, they have no sense of false sense of ego. What did Jesus mean um, by that we would do greater works than he?
2: I understand that to be we will be better. We, we, we will prevent the greater work is to prevent disease, sin, disease, and death, not to keep healing it, but prevent it from even happening.
0: That is that is Martha Wilcox, and I, I agree. I've read um, other things that were sent to me about what the greater works are, but what could be greater, and she says that, what could be greater than not having it happen at all, and that is the preventative as well as the curative. And what could be greater than that? So you can have all these discussions about what it is or isn't, but to me that was right answer Martha Wilcox. (laughs) I was looking for where she said it, but I couldn't find it. But I know she said it, and I'm glad someone remembered it. We've we've talked about it probably many times before. It's not having the problems come up in the first place.
4: And that is why science is so essential because in science we understand how error works and we understand it's nothingness and we demonstrate it's nothingness and in doing so we know what error is trying to do and we work to make sure it doesn't do it and we also say it
1: says that a mind full of goodness, a mind full of life, truth, and love is is very rare. Then that error can fool, <laughs> um,
3: yeah, um.
0: yeah. It cannot fool. It knows exactly what's going on, um, but only only to heal always. And this is not clairvoyance where you're trying to read someone's mind in some way, but you just know whatever it is you need to know in order to heal. Um, There was one thing, well, I want to say one thing more about Carpenter um, and his wonderful watching points and all that he wrote, The Spiritual Footsteps, which is to me one of the best biographies of Mrs. Eddy. And we do have that now on audio, and versus I think he's done with the healer, right? He is done. Yeah, yep, the healer. A- anyway, but Carpenter over and over and over talks about this huge power that we tap into. It's it's wonderful the way he says it. It makes it sound so natural and right, you know, it's just just omnipotence right <laughs> there at our fingertips.
4: It's because it is natural and right.
0: Well, that's, <laughs> that's right. It is natural and right. It's only our own.
4: And why he wasn't weird. Yeah. <laughs>
0: That's right.
4: It's only our ignorance of it that makes it seem
0: not so natural. <laughs> um, I wanted to mention last week I'd mentioned that a book about uh, the power of the, the Lord's Prayer. And, and I, I haven't read any more in it, but what, what I was excited about was that it was putting this Lord's Prayer forward, um, maybe for a new generation that hasn't appreciated it or thought deeply about the power that's behind it. And the woman that wrote the book did say about how this prayer unites all Christians because it's a prayer we all say. And Nancy found in Pulpit and Press where Mrs. Eddy says, All Christian churches have one bond of unity, one nucleus or point of convergence, convergence, one prayer, the Lord's Prayer. It is a matter for rejoicing that we unite in love and in this sacred petition with every praying assembly on earth. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, in earth as it is in heaven. When the doctrinal barriers between the churches are broken, and the bonds of peace are cemented by spiritual understanding and love, there will be a unity of spirit, and the healing power of Christ will prevail. Then shall Zion have put on her most beautiful garments and her waist places budded and blossomed as the rose. So that is so beautiful. And remember that as we say the Lord's Prayer and as you say it, and you should make sure you are saying it and realizing the great power within it and what Mrs. Eddy says about it in her chapter on prayer. Um, and that we are uniting, not dividing but uniting with each other in this prayer. Um, now I wanted Jeremy to say something.
5: Oh, okay. I I got an email from Napoleon, our translator in Pakistan, and he wanted to, uh, us to know that in Jaranwala, Pakistan, there's a pretty large Christian community, and uh, Muslim mobs have burned down 40 churches, and attacked four Christian colonies. And there's been many deaths and injuries. And um, so he said that the, the affected families are in desperate need of immediate assistance, primarily in terms of food and shelter. And uh, so he's just requesting some,
4: some help with that from us. So what we're going to do is we we will establish a fund within the church here, uh, call it the Pakistani fund. uh, And anybody who wants to contribute to the families in um, Napoleon's community uh, to help them out uh, can send us, um, just label it, you know, the Pakistani fund. And we will make sure that uh, it gets to the right place over in Pakistan.
0: Yeah, we're we're sure with this uh, knowing Napoleon and everything, we will be able to get the money safely there to the right people. Um, I know you all were so very generous uh, when Benjamin's wife Carissa's family was having such a hard time in the Philippines. With the tsunami, and after that, people were asking me, "Are there any other <laughs> funds we can give to?" So we don't normally do this, but I think in this case, it's important.
6: Yeah,
4: Na- Napoleon trans, and and he has a group of uh, friends over there who translate our lessons and other um, articles and things into several different languages uh, for. Uh, some of our websites and we have websites in those languages for that purpose. And Napoleon is a member of the church. He, he sees clearly what Christian science is and is doing. And he joined our church his family members have joined our church a few years ago and they've been doing a very faithful, uh, job of translating, um, some of our articles and, and, and all of our lessons. Into several different languages, so we feel that this is a worthy, uh, worthy cause and something that we would like to support. So, anybody who wants to contribute, please just send your contributions to the clerk here at the church, and we will make sure we will make sure that Napoleon gets what they need.
0: And and Jeremy has felt in all his dealings with Napoleon, he's a very honest, upright, and
5: very honest. I mean, obviously, you know, he knows he knows a lot of languages. I one time I sent him this very short little video on how to help me better with the lessons. He immediately did it. Didn't ask any questions. <laughs> he's just been very good, very professional, and almost. This is an innocent quality about him. So he's just very likable. And he's been doing translation work for us from February 17th, 2019.
4: Very, done a very good job. For four and a half years.
0: You know, in this week's lesson on Christ Jesus, um, in the stories in Mark, and Jesus, when he came out, saw much people and was moved with compassion toward them because they were sheep, not having a shepherd. And he began to teach them many things. That was when he supplied them with the loaves and the fishes. And then with the healing of the of the dead man, and when the Lord saw her, the, the mother of her only son, he had compassion on her and said, would not. Um, that word compassion... I mean, it's throughout this lesson also about the two blind men. Excuse me. Yes, also in Matthew. So Jesus had compassion on them and touched their eyes and healed them. Compassion. And we know that about the Christ. And that definition was to recognize the pain of others and then take action to help. And that's the important part. You, you feel another one. I sort of made this up myself, but to feel the pain of others and then uh, with a deep desire to help, to do something for them, you, you, you feel that pain. Um, and so you can't just turn away from them. You have to help. And this, of course, is one of the most beautiful characteristics of the Christ, isn't it? The compassion he showed.
4: What does Mrs. Eddy say is the heart and soul of Christian science? Love,
1: love, love, with a big L.
5: Yeah. <laughs> 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 and she also says that deeds, not words, are the sound test of love. Yeah.
0: And I thought this was very beautiful. This is in uh, Mary Baker Eddy, your spiritual footsteps, where Carpenter is quoting um, Mrs. Eddy on page 172. <clears throat> The true sense of love is to love God good. Then we love all, for God is all. That love is unlimited and flows out freely to all, and all feel it. The human sense of love narrows itself down to a concept or a person and shuts out out others. That is not love. Really, we do not love person. It is the good we love. This true sense of love brings freedom and an enlarged sense of things. Keep awake by loving more. Love the idea of God, and you will love God. You can only love God as far as you love his idea, and love will be expressed. What would you think of the one who says he loves, but never expresses it? Love does express itself. It heals. If you do not heal, you have not enough love. Prove your love. Love is God and expresses itself. End quote. He quotes a lot of things, and maybe they're in the blue book, but I don't know about some of them. And this I thought was beautiful, too, about um, Mary Magdalene. When the elders wished to stone Mary Magdalene, Jesus said in substance, let the one who is without sin among you, or whose vision is freed from mesmerism, sufficiently <coughs> excuse me, to see Goliath hiding behind the woman, cast the first stone of spiritual purity and power. Throw the stone at the Goliath of sensuality, but let the woman go free. This method of handling animal magnetism was Mrs. Eddy's crowning gift to humanity in this age. It is embodied in the instruction, quote, Strike at the error, reduce it to nothingness, but let the man go free. Call forth the unclean spirit and impersonalize it. Hate the sin and thereby destroy it, but love the sinner and thereby redeem him, end quote. And that's on page five hundred. That is such a perfect description of what we often talk about. You aim at the era, but not at the person. And uh, Jeremy wrote, that was Jeremy's watch message that he wrote about what was going on in Pakistan on Thursday. And it was beautifully done. And that's what he did. And this is what we all must do, no matter what error you're seeing. Once you, if you get all riled up over the person, you're cooked.
4: And you're gonna miss the mark.
0: You will miss the mark and your work will be ineffective.
5: I was I was very grateful for that. That that my that was my first reaction to be that way. There was significant portion of my life I would be quick to punch. <laughs> so <laughs> it's good to able to approach it this way.
0: Well, do you have it? Read what you wrote.
5: Oh uh, Yes. Um, <clears throat> Mrs. Eddy reminds us that Paul was not at first a disciple of Jesus, but a persecutor of Jesus' followers until the spiritual light enabled him to follow the example and teachings of Jesus. Let us watch and know that the spiritual light of the Christ is shining on everyone in Pakistan, whether Christian or Muslim, oppressed or oppressor, and that and that Christ light brings the understanding of truth to all, softening every heart, resolving every conflict, and purging every false belief until love is reflected in love, and all love thy neighbor as thyself.
0: That's beautiful. That's the way of it. So thank you.
5: And I did share that with Napoleon. Oh, good. Know how we were oh, thank
0: you. Also. Excellent. Good. Um, that was wonderful. Thank you. So th- this is the compassion of the Christ. And this is, you know, he he lived for our guidance to teach us how to do this. And as Mrs. Eddy said, not to relieve us of one responsibility. Um, this was from an article that Carrie sent the Jesus of Jesus, the Christ by Judge Septimus Hannah. Science and health is replete with references to Christ Jesus. On nearly every page, attention is drawn to him. The name Jesus occurs upward of 500 times in the book. To say nothing of the numerous other synonyms expressing his nature, character, and office. How essential, then, that we should be ever alert to the place he occupies in the divine plan. We should carefully avoid displacing him, either in history or in our own consciousness, and in our expressions of gratitude for what Christian science has done and is doing for the world and for us. His nature, character, and office, nay, his unique place in God's government, should never be overlooked or forgotten. So this is it, and this is one of the why, you know, many of us like the chosen so much, because... (laughs) is bringing him into into mainstream and to watch it and to see how natural the healing was and, and his compassion and how he never would, uh, although I hear in season four, he is going to really give it to the Pharisees. But generally, when he was dealing with a, someone sick, his compassion, as was brought out in this week's lesson, the three examples. He had compassion. He felt the pain, and then he was moved by God to do something about it, to heal it. We should all feel that. So, um, Nancy. Oh, I just wanted to
5: share something. Okay. I just read this yesterday and watched his prayers and arguments. he um, was talking about, Mrs. A. was talking about her early and she said, never did I neglect Jesus in my sermons in the first days of Christian science. And now they must not forget me. So I.
6: Thank
0: you. And the, you know, the golden text about one God and one mediator between God and man, the man, Jesus Christ. And and mediator is the one that goes between. Um, And up until then, and you've certainly brought out and chosen, how all these religious people, they were clueless about God, weren't they? Clueless. It's all a bunch of rules and (laughs) laws. And and my goodness, if you had a problem, they'd more kick you than help you.
4: I Unclean.
5: Unclean,
0: unclean. Yeah,
4: and I think... uh, (laughs) Just to clarify, um, the word mediator here, it's important to understand what it really means. Yes, it's someone who goes between, but the purpose of the mediator is to reconcile the two parties so that they can actually work together. That's what Jesus taught us. He taught us how to work together with our God. He doesn't, and, you know, he says, you know, you have to go through me to get to God. Well, what he means is you have to follow his example. He's not here, you know, to to uh, to be between us. His example shows us how we work together with our God.
5: Well, if you've ever been through mediation, a mediator, a lot of what they do is just lay the groundwork for what's allowed in the conversation, and then they have you go <laughs> through it. So,
4: exactly. So there you
1: go. more yeah, common understanding.
4: Exactly. So he showed us the ground rules, and his Sermon on the Mount is the ground rules.
1: So we learn our oneness with God of him. We learn it of him, from him.
0: Mm-hmm. Thank you, yes. That's one of the most important thoughts, which is why we talk about it so much, our oneness, our oneness, to get self out of the way, to get your human personality, death, death to the human personality, and let God use and work through you. And your individuality comes to light.
5: Self-abandonment.
0: Self-abandonment. Thank you. And the lesson says, Jesus... Life proved divinely and scientifically that God is love. Whereas priest and rabbi affirmed God to be a mighty potentate who loves and hates, the Jewish theology gave no hint of the unchanging love of God. And I remember even as a child when I first started coming to the Sunday school, um, you know, learning and not even really understanding what that meant. It's over in our Sunday school. <laughs> in gold letters god is love with a capital l because my presbyterian background you know i I, somehow i was scared of god um i mean i thought he was good if you obeyed him but goodness if you didn't obey him you could get a big whack and all kinds of things and it took me a long time to work through all that old theology so it wasn't and i still am i'm sure it was it's not just the Certain religions, it's probably all of them, except for Christian science. Total love, no condemnation, unconditional love. Now, Nancy, you wrote something very beautiful and sent it to me.
6: Okay, it was um, in Isaiah, in our lesson. A bruised reed shall he not break, and the smoking flax shall he not quench. He shall bring forth judgment unto truth. And I found a beautiful explanation in a website called Knowing Jesus. There is hardly a more frail or fragile object than a bruised and broken reed that has been lashed by the wind or buffeted by turbulent water. And yet we read that he will not break down a little reed that has been crushed by the stormy weather. The bruised reed in this birth is an illustration of a man or woman who has been battered and broken through life circumstances and whose faith is failing or whose Christian resolve has worn thin. But a broken and bruised heart that is given to God can become an instrument of value that he can use for his greater praise and glory Similarly, we read that Jesus, the tender-hearted servant of the Lord, will not quench the smoking wick of a flaming candle, and he will not extinguish a smoldering flax. Rather, our gentle Savior will protect it and fan it into a living flame, for he is the light of the world, and he has called us to reflect his light in the darkened world. The Lord Jesus is God's good and gracious servant whom he has sent to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim delivery to the captive, to recover sight to the blind, and to set at liberty them that are bruised or broken. He giveth strength to the bruised reed and nurtures the smoking flax back to life. And I was thinking a lot about this and how we can emulate the great compassion and the Christly love shown to us by our way shower and how we can reflect his light. And it reminded me of uh, the following verse from Mrs. Eddy's poem, Love. If thou the bending reed wouldst break by thought or word unkind, pray that his spirit you partake, who loved and healed mankind. Speak holy thoughts and heavenly strain that makes man one in love remain I just thought that was a beautiful thing to hold to
0: that is absolutely beautiful thank you
6: you're welcome
0: I'm not sure I ever thought about the bruised and broken reed and and uh, his gentleness and kindness and, and what that means and you know, there's so many who have been bruised and broken by the world, and and again, to have that compassion of the Christ, um, rather our gentle Savior, will protect it and fan it into a living flame. Could I
7: say something?
0: Certainly. It's a very
7: beautiful um, meeting. Every meeting is very beautiful. Everyone is particular and unique. I love this uh, feeling about love, you know, because this, brute, uh, you know, this bindy uh, reed would break. It's, uh, it's so easy to to judge uh, other people, and immediately we have to send our compassion of knowing there's just one mind going on. And that was one of the things with this belief of a cold that has been bothering me for a week and a half, I realized I have, it, I have to be more compassionate to those who appear to, uh, to be rude and unfriendly, because the gratitude to God is me being gentler and seeing as God sees. And that's what Mary Baker Eddy showed as a teacher and as a, a writer, and as a way shower, and that's what Jesus did, and so many prophets, you know, this is what the carpenters did, so I'm very, very grateful that people stood up and defended the truth, even when it seemed seemed as if being a coward would be an easier way, but we cannot be cowardly in the face of truth, we have to be victorious, thank you.
0: Thank you. (laughs) Yes, um... Very important. And, you know, here we were taught the antidote to cold is warmth, and that is the warmth of love. The warmth of love will heal any sense of cold. You know, there's been, I've received reports that there's gonna, they're gonna attempt to have another pandemic coming up. We know it's all fabricated. And as we talked about earlier, let our work be preventative. This does not have to happen. We do not. Fall and winter are such beautiful times of the year. I'll be darned. <laughs> They're going to spoil it with all this stuff. No, 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 no. The hell you say. So we get working and, and it can dissipate. Just And just as, as uh, um, Jeremy's. Watch about malice. We we wipe it out. We wipe out. There is no malice because it's not of God. So how can it exist? There is no nameless nothing because it's not of God. So how can it exist? And they can try and do all they think they think they can do, but they can't do a darn thing because God is the only power. So we will do our preventative work and rejoice in his omniscience, omnipotence, and omnipresence. So thank you. That was very beautiful, um, Nancy. And now, Shardell. Yeah, I, with Christ Jesus, uh, may I, I'd like to read the part that
3: made me think of the uh, deer's cry, which we pray with very often for everybody, especially for children, and that uh, I thought of it as soon as I read uh, and this is life eternal, that they might know thee, the only true God and Jesus Christ whom thou hast sent that they all may be one, and I have declared unto them thy name and will declare it that the love of Wherewith thou hast loved me may be in them, and I in them. And then shall I read the little part of the dear's cry? The first part is about God and his protection for you. Then the second part is about Christ. And it says, quote, Christ with me, Christ before me, Christ behind me, Christ in me, Christ beneath me, Christ above me, Christ on my right. Christ on my left. Christ when I lie down, and Christ when I sit down. Christ in the heart of everyone who thinks of me. Christ in the mouth of everyone who speaks of me. Christ in the eye that sees me. Christ in the ear that hears me. I arise today through the mighty strength of the
0: Lord of creation. That is just so beautiful. That is something, Bob. Parthens sent to me I'd never heard of it and we something to use often and I know Shardy does and I do too but to know when you get up in the morning that you rise in the strength of this powerful Christ being before you behind you above you everywhere it's beautiful and the other that Shardy picked on in that in this lesson that I did too that picked up on I should say was that John
2: 17
0: I don't think I ever it took a Bible study or something a while ago that made me really appreciate this is Christ Jesus his, before he gets crucified and resurrected his farewell prayer and he is praying and it says he's not just praying for his disciples but all, all of us and all of us that are certainly all of us that are following him That means he's he's praying for you here today. Those prayers, neither pray I for these alone, but for them also, which shall believe on me through their word, that they all may be one, as thou, Father, art in me, and I in thee, that they also may be one in us, that the world may believe that thou hast sent me, and the glory which thou gavest me, I have given them that they may be one, even as we are one. I in them, and thou in me, that they may be made perfect in one, and that the world may know that thou hast sent me and hast loved them as thou hast loved me. It goes on, but it brings me to tears when I read it, and everyone should be familiar with this and to have such deep gratitude that here on his last, lastly, days of earth, he was praying for you. And that prayer is with us today, isn't it?
3: Mm-hmm. Uh, Young yeah, and oneness says it's some of the most important prayers in the Bible, the 14 to
0: 17 in John. Thank you, and that's declaring the oneness that we have with him. Those prayers are with us, and of course the prayers of Mrs. Eddie are with us mm-hmm. and and we must be aware of it and be grateful that they are and realize the great tremendous power that they give. so yeah. Just be so aware of that. And thank you, Shardy, because that is so beautiful um, and very important. So also I'd like to share something else. This is a little um, different now, <laughs> but it's equally as important. I just want to find, um, oh, well, so many things. This is something very beautiful that... Uh, Also that Carrie sent. A word to go home on. I, the Lord, have called you in righteousness and will hold your hand and will keep you and give you for a covenant of the people. It's Isaiah 42, also in the lesson six in the responsive reading. The saintly Miss Frances Ridley Havergal literally lived and moved in the word of God. It was her constant solace, delight, and inspiration. It is related of her that on the last day of her life, she asked a friend to read to her the 42nd chapter of Isaiah. When the friend read the sixth verse, I, the Lord, have called thee in righteousness, and will hold thine hand, and will keep thee, Mrs. Havergal stopped. And she called. Called. Held, kept, used, she whispered. Well, I will just go home on that. And she did go home on that, as on a celestial chariot. And the home going was a triumph with an abundant entrance into the city of God. But that was so very beautiful and Carrie looked her up and found that she, she was a hymn writer. And one of her famous hymns is our Christi- in our Christian Science Hymnal, Take My Life and Let It Be. Consecrated Lord to Thee. That's one of my very favorite hymns. So wouldn't she have gone out on a chariot? And she lived during Mrs. Eddy's time. So, um, and then this I thought was very interesting before we close. Um also in Spiritual Footsteps, chapter 49. And this is the more sobering part of our discussion today. Mrs. Eddy said at one time, quote, If the work had been done in the time of Jesus, it would not have to be done now. But the disciples did not do their part. They were not obedient to him. They questioned what he was doing, did not understand, and it was not done. So it must be done now. End quote. What was the work Mrs. Eddy referred to that was not done in the time of Jesus and must be done now? Students love to contemplate the great goodness of God, but are not so willing to dip down into the uncovering of the hidden modes of evil, a thing that must be done if man desires to find his spiritual freedom. They would like to be translated now without first having to f- fulfill the obligation of uncovering error's hidden ways. As Mrs. Eddy writes in Science and Health, page 570, Many are willing to open the eyes of the people to the power of good, resident, in divine mind, but they are not so willing to point out the evil in human thought and expose evil's hidden mental ways of accomplishing iniquity. End quote. There is no record that the disciples did the work necessary to understand animal magnetism sufficiently to uncover its secret to themselves and the world. This painful task was left for Mrs. Eddy and that it was painful, that it was a painful task may be gleaned from her statement in miscellaneous writings, page 222. I shall not forget the cost of investigating for this age the methods and power of error. It is one thing for a man to discover gold in the ground and dig it out where all may see, and another thing to probe the activities of those who intend to try to steal this gold so that he can frustrate their purpose. Great is the attainment of bringing man the true knowledge of God so that all may be blessed by it. Greater is the attainment of uncovering the hidden action of that which, if not uncovered, would rob man of that spiritual good. And you see, even in Mrs. Eddy's time with Christian science, they, they failed in handling the animal magnetism. And this is what we all must be willing to do. And sometimes it's not pleasant. Sometimes it takes rebukes. This is in many ways what Imogen's um, testimony was about. She had a, a wonderful practitioner in Australia who was healing and doing wonderful things, but they were totally not, they did not learn how to handle animal magnetism. And it is, this is the higher works that you all must be willing to do if you wanted to be count to be counted as a worker, as a, as a disciple for Christ. You can't have one without the other. So I thought it was I just happened to turn to that chapter to this morning, and I said, Okay, Father, well, it's a lesson, a lesson we all need to to know about, and it is part of following the Christ. Um, yes, that compassion, that tenderness, but at times the sternness and the rebukes that are needed for everyone to go higher,
4: which is love
0: It is a the highest path. form of the love, highest yes, love it is it's much easier to just ignore it and say nothing, and sometimes that's a good path, it just depends on the situation, <laughs> okay, so now we have another. This is something, again, Carrie sent us.
4: And this is uh, extracts from an article um, in The Methodist Christian Advocate, April 1901. And I quote, The wonderful works of Jesus of Nazareth were wrought with perfect naturalness, simplicity, and ease. We see no pompous marshalling of the forces of the universe to pair." to bear down opposition, surmount obstacles, and produce astonishing effects. There is no tedious and painful process of surgery or medicine when the sick are to be healed. A word, a touch, a look was sufficient. He took Peter's wife's mother by the hand, and the fever left her. He touched the eyes of two blind men sitting by the wayside, and immediately they received their sight. He touched the tongue of the deaf mute of Decapolis, and he spake plainly. A woman, faint with disease and trembling with fear, crept up behind him and touched the hem of his garment, and immediately she was made every whit whole. There is power in a touch, provided there be a fountain of life back of the outstretched hand. One, by touching a leper, may contract the malady himself and communicate it to others in the same way. His touch heals not, but spreads the disease. But in Jesus, there was such fullness of life that his touch communicated life and health. When he touched the leper, he overcame evil with good, he conquered disease with health, he destroyed death. With life. In a similar way, the great physician imparted mental and spiritual life and health. He came in contact with the insane, and their reason was restored. He met the lost, and their souls were saved. The spirit of the sinner wrecked by sin was made whole by contact with the spirit of life in Christ Jesus. End quote.
0: Thank you all so much for joining us today.
6: Thank Thank you. you. Thank you. Thank Thank you. you. Thank you.